We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 86. I am in a good mood today because the Yankees have actually done what we have been talking about for a month at this point, it seems like. They have sold. They have sold Aroldis Chapman, and they have sold Andrew Miller. They're building up their farm system for once. I can't remember the last time I was in a good mood, Scott, but I'm in a good mood about the Yankees right now. They actually did it. That I can... There, there's there's one thing that I didn't think the Yankees would actually pull the trigger on, and it was it was really taking taking advantage of these two guys. Chapman, I thought, was a done deal. I was really, over the past couple of weeks, thinking that they were not going to get rid of Miller because he was controlled, but they did. And they saw the writing on the wall, they realized what this team was, and they got you know the biggest possible package of guys that they could in return. So I'm happy, too. I think they did, I did, they did the right thing. I think it's been since early June that you and I have been begging Yankees management to realize what this team is, a 500 team. And I got a couple stats for you that just prove how average this team is. We're 104 games into the season. They're back to 52 and 52, despite being a few games over 500 for the last week. Pre-break, they were 44 and 44. Post-All-Star break, 8 and 8. And they're 13 and 13 in July. So by every definition, this is a mediocre average baseball team. And thank God Brian Cashman saw what this team really was. And he didn't let the 8-4 and record against 
the Red Sox and, and Baltimore and Houston and San Francisco fool him. He he realized they're not a very good team and he pulled the trigger. And and it's just so fitting that after going eight and four against those good teams and tricking everybody into thinking, you know, maybe this Yankees team can get hot and, and sneak into the wild card, they go and get swept by the Rays, who have been dog crap for the last two months. That's the best part about this whole thing. The the most ironic part of what just happened because you and I were talking about and I was probably on this more than you were because you were talking about the fact that they were just a 500 team and that's what was going to happen I thought they were going to get obliterated by Boston Baltimore San Francisco Houston and then we both threw away the Tampa series because we're like oh it doesn't matter who cares they're terrible it's not going to matter at that point but in reality, it actually did matter quite a bit. It tipped the it tipped the edge and and tipped uh, Cashman's hand to actually pulling the trigger on something. So, in a way, while I'll never ever in a million years root for them to lose, I'm I'm not upset that they did because what it did is it, it just in time at the at the deadline showed and proved what this team was, and it was a non-contending team. So we owe we owe the Rays like a fruit basket or something. Right, I know. They they actually did us a favor in, in laying the wood to the Yankees over the past couple a uh, few games. So it was <laughs> they, ridiculous. They laid the pipe. Laid the pipe <laughs> and it was brutal. <laughs> I mean, Tampa's going nowhere this season and you figured they'd just be in cruise control at this point. And the Yankees are actually were playing good baseball. They beat good teams. You could consider the teams they beat after the All Star break. They lost the series to Boston, so throw that out. But Baltimore, San Francisco, and Houston are three of the better teams in baseball, especially Houston has been on fire since the beginning of May. They've got so much young talent. They called up that third baseman who's going to be like the best third baseman of all time, not to mention they have already the best second baseman in baseball. And and they've got uh, Correa, who's a stud. Correa, who's a stud. They just signed the Cuban guy who's going to be probably going to hit 30 home runs a year. So they're stacked. When it comes to talent, and the Yankees, yeah, don't forget about the pride of Connecticut uh, as well. Yeah, George yeah. Springer, who's having a monster year. No, I mean it's a good team, and it's a team that is young and exciting. And I actually don't hate the the Astros yet. I'm sure I can find something to hate them for coming up. But the Yankees took two out of three from them in Houston. That's a huge series win. Even though I know we're going to get into it, but the Yankees could have swept with their ace on the mound, and he fell flat on his face yet again. But they go down to Tampa, get their ass kicked, thank God, because it really drove the nail in the coffin for the Yankees this season. And I could just picture Brian Cashman in a meeting with, with Hal Steimer saying, see, see, I told you, this is what this team is. And then maybe Hal Steimer gave him the okay, signed off on the Andrew Miller trade. Because that was the report the whole time, was that plenty of teams are in on Andrew Miller. He's the hottest commodity on the trade market as far as relief pitchers go. He's going to demand the biggest prospect list back. The Nationals were in on him. Before the Cubs got Chapman, they were in on him. Indians, obviously. And, you know, maybe the Giants, a couple other sneaky teams. And it was just Hal Steinbrenner that needed to sign off on it because Cashman had a number of trade offers on the table. Well, they, I don't know if I believe all that. I don't know if there were actual legitimate trade offers, more as they were just talk and part of negotiations that were getting leaked all over the place to 19, to 19 uh, well, national hey, baseball great. writers. That drives up the price. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and I mean, what the reports were, the reports were from the Nationals that these these two guys, the the two two or three prospects that we wanted, I can't think of the one kid's name, but the Gilito and then uh, Trey Turner and then the other pitcher, I forget his name. But he, the, those are the three guys that the Yankees were looking at, and the, there was a report that Giolito Miller would be a one a one for one trade, and the Yankees balked at that as they should have, 
and that nothing was good. It was very right, clear the Nationals were not were not ready to give up their their guys at that point. So, anytime you're trading for prospects, you don't do a one for one when you're trading a known commodity stud, you know, stud major leaguer like Andrew Miller for a prospect right. because they're so fickle. They can they can crash and burn at any moment. So you have to maximize the odds and get a handful of prospects. And and talking listening to John Heyman was one of the guys that was on the radio quite a bit this week. He was he was talking about that you know his his sources in the front office of the Yankees said that they were looking to get three times the value of what they got for Chapman. That was their that was their goal. That was their point of of where they were looking for as far as a package. And it turns out that the Indians were the closest thing to that. Where and they turned it around and, and got some uh, some very a very good return. Yes, and we're gonna break those guys down as best we can because we're just learning about them, as I'm sure most Yankee fans are at this point. I don't know about you, but I was not fully up to date on the Cleveland Indians minor league system. Well, I had seen some of these guys in just rumors a couple weeks back, so I had done some digging on them. Uh, the the Frazier and Justice Sheffield, we had a we had an article on Bronx Pinstripes, I think a week, week, two weeks ago, talking about that this was a very good possibility. Actually, these two guys, so good job on, on, on our boys uh, looking those up. But So I, I saw Frazier, and then I saw his massive forearms and the fact that he was a ginger, and I was like, ooh, this guy's intriguing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he could be somebody. And turns out that those are the those are the guys. But yeah, there's, you know, I think you and I are, are very abreast of what's going on in the major league club, and obviously in the Yankees farm system. Uh, but I, I wouldn't call ourselves, you know, minor league prospect guys by any means. No, and I there's plenty of guys who are quote unquote minor league prospect guys, and they're exactly. great because they can tell you everything about these players, like they watch them every day, even though they're talking about some double A prospect in the in the Cleveland Indian system. There's no way they're actually watching them every day. But the reason I love this trade is because as soon as it it broke across Twitter, every writer, every scout, everything that was tweeted was saying that the Yankees got a stud player in Frazier, just like they were tweeting that about uh, Torres. So when when I see that, that gets me excited because... It, it gets me excited for the future, obviously. And the, and Clint Frazier, who's the, the the biggest chip in this four-prospect haul, is, as you said, he's in double-A this year, massive forearms. I think Brian Cashman said he has legendary bat speed, and he's, he's, a, he's a hand, wrist, and forearms hitter. So he's probably going to be a gap hitter. You know, maybe he could develop some power as, as he progresses in the major leagues, but good average, good gap power outfielder. So I'm definitely excited about him. Well, and the kid, no, I mean, they've already said that he's developing the power. It's it's starting to come even even now. Uh, so he was in Double A. He got called up to Triple A as well. So he's he's uh, he's he's right now he's getting uh, sent to Scranton. So he will be in Triple A. He is uh, 13 home runs in I think 80 some or 90 some at bats. So the kid's got power. You can tell. You can tell. Like you said, the forearms. The fact that he's got quick hands, forearms, speaks speaks. It's, I love that because this is exactly the kind of guy that I want. His strikeout numbers have have, uh, have decreased every single year. If you look at it, uh, look at his numbers in, in the 18 scouting reports I've read in this guy. His numbers every single year keep going down, down, down. So what does that mean? That means that he's choosing better pick, uh, pitches to swing at. He's making better contact. He's getting more comfortable at the plate, um, and he's not as he's not being as aggressive because one of the things, uh, one of the knocks on him early was he was a little too aggressive in trying to hit too many home runs. And whereas, you know, you're just trying to like a, a kind of a Carlos Beltran swing, he's just trying to hit the ball hard and the ball goes out. To me, that's what Beltran, that's Beltran's approach every single time. Right. Um, and, Beltran and that, never looks like he's over swinging. 
Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, that, that type of swing is a, you know, very similar approach. I, I'm not saying there are similar players, but I'm saying it's a similar approach to the plate is what he can strive towards. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about this kid. He looks like a, a guy who fits the style of baseball that works right now. And this kid's going to be, I also read a report that he's not a great outfielder as far as a center fielder. So he's probably going to be put in a corner somewhere. And, and that's fine. Obviously, the Yankees, right. you know. You can you can hide players defensively on the corner outfields, especially if they can hit. And and it's not the, that he necessarily will be a bad defender, but it seems like the Yankees' goal, or at least I don't know if it was their if Cashman's goal or it just happened this way, but they're acquiring position players. Torres was a position player, obviously shortstop, and Frazier is an outfield. You know, instead of going for the the prospect pitching or pitching prospect, they went for the position players. And I actually think that's a great move, great call by Cashman. Because they have not been very good at developing position players in the last 10 years. And I know they have a couple guys coming up. Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Mateo. But to add to that crop of guys so you minimize your your chances of having these guys not pan out. You know, three of those six pan out, you're doing pretty good. That's kind of the nature of prospects. So you just maximize your odds of having good, young talent in your everyday lineup. Yeah, and I think that the the fact of of getting these guys, first of all, the the stud starting pitchers in AAA who are obviously coming up and are the guys that are highly talented, they're very expensive. And I don't like exactly like the Nationals were coveting Giolito, they would not give him up. You know, I think that Cashman kind of saw the writing on the wall with that and a few other teams where he's not going to get the value for that for if he goes after those kind of guys. It's going to be you know, it's going to be almost a one for one, maybe a couple throw in chips as well. But this one taking lesser prospects and then you don't want to do that. It, well, exactly. The overall hole and you're, you're really just banking on this one guy. Whereas, for, uh, you know, he comes out of this with Frazier, uh, another top 100 guy with uh, with Sheffield that we'll get into. And, and then a, a couple other big arms that have potential bullpen, um, you know, bullpen all over them, you know, they're going to be helping in the bullpen at some point, possibly this year. So there's, there's, I think, I think what Cashman did is he saw he's going for the value and as much value as that he can get. So I don't necessarily know if he was really just looking for position players or if Brian Cash was just looking for to maximize the value for the the actual trade, the the full package. And I think that's whatever. I think that's more what he was doing. Whatever it was, I think it was it. It's a good move and it's good the way it turned out because that's been their issue the last five or four or five seasons is not really the pitching even though the starting pitching has been inconsistent I would not say over the last three years that the reason the Yankees have not gone deep in the playoffs is because they're pitching I would say it's because their offense is too inconsistent and breaks down because they're too old so you need to add young talent to that to make sure it doesn't break down so I think it's actually good the way it worked out and are you are, the only thing that kind of worries me with Frazier, as you already mentioned, he's a ginger and he kind of looks like a, a ginger Ben Gamel. And when I first looked at him, he's got the same kind he of he has flow. the flow. Yeah. So it, it got us thinking that who are the best gingers in all of sports? And the list is not very long. Uh, we did a quick Google search before the show and the names that we came up with <laughs> are uh, some are very good. Some are pretty questionable. Uh, like you immediately nixed Sean White. You didn't consider him to be a a real athlete, I guess. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I can't consider him a real athlete. I understand that people think all these X game sports are 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 real sports, and that's fine. But the we're, flying we're gonna tomato, talk, we're gonna talk big four. The flying tomato is, I, I think, considering he won gold medal after gold medal in snowboarding, and then at the X games, 
He, he's a successful ginger. It's just too new. It's just too new. There's nothing <laughs> to compare them to. I, I, I can't take them seriously. Maybe in 20, 30 years, I can, I can look back and be like, oh, okay, he was really good. But the ones from the major sports that people are going to recognize is Roy Halladay. And immediately you said... He's a sneaky ginger because didn't, you, didn't, you did not immediately think ginger. of him as a ginger. You kind of think of like blonde hair, maybe light brown hair, but I guess he's a ginger. Well, with baseball players, it's very difficult to tell because of their hats unless they have a very fair skin or a lot of freckles and or a lot of freckles. And that was uh, why I believe that Holiday was, was deceiving. Sneaky. So the, the best baseball ginger that I found is Big Mac, Mark McGuire. And again, fair skinned guy, lots of freckles. He, you could tell he was. Uh, you could tell he had he had the the red hair. He was he was ready to go with that. So that was the one that that did not surprise me, but I forgot about. That's all we're talking about, though. Is is Mark McGuire yeah. and Roy Halladay for recent? That's it. The list of baseball gingers is small. It's two. I guess it's because it's you know they're the boys of summer. You're out in the sun all day. Gingers can't survive. So it's like it's what is it? Darwin's survival of the fittest. Eventually, gingers gingers go to other sports, indoor winter sports. It just makes sense. It really does just make sense. (laughs) Because on on the list is the rest of the guys are winter athletes, like the Sedin Twins in hockey, Brian Scalabrini, and Bill Walton. So if there was any any, fairness or or truth or just goodness in this world, a sunscreen brand would go right after Clint Frazier right now. <laughs> yeah, banana boat, banana, banana boat, boat. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Copperstone or whatever it's called. Copper tone. Yeah, got to go right after Clint Frazier. Well, there you go. So that's he, he's at least got the uh, the opportunity to be on a top five list there, which is perfect. Um, I think the all, all, all kidding aside, this kid I think can be a very very good player. He he's exciting just because to me he fits the mold of a of what it, what a 2016. Uh, player looks like the, the type of athlete the type of player that they are he's got good speed something we didn't really touch on it he's got he's double digit stolen bases so the kids got he's really a, an all-around player which is which is good I think his defense obviously uh, from reports what I've seen is is less uh, less than than great uh, but he can definitely hold down especially Yankee Stadium one of these corner outfield spots without a without an issue I would think and, and you know the prospects of him offensively I think is very exciting so he was the blue chip prospect. Next on the list, Justice Sheffield, who we may or may not be Gary Sheffield's nephew. We have yeah, allegedly, allegedly. Some websites say he is. Some websites uh, say he's not. Wikipedia says he's not. Um, I trust Wikipedia, but I didn't. I don't understand why people trust Wikipedia when anybody can change it. Because it's the first one that pops up on Google, and I'm lazy. But that doesn't mean it's a trustworthy <laughs> site. I but just don't understand as that. As soon as I read it on the internet, I take it as fact. Yeah, well, I'll show you another link that says he is his nephew. That's if, whichever one's the, the last thing you read should be the one you remember. Regardless, it's a great baseball name. You and I have touched on the fact that there are not a lot of good baseball names anymore. Justice Sheffield, I think, is a really good baseball name. Yeah, I like it. I mean, if your first name is Justice, your second, your, your last name is a guy who was, a, was just a beast. And didn't he grow up with uh, Doc Gooden? He's from the Tampa area, I think, right? Well, that worries me a little bit. Or no, he was his nephew. He was his. He was his. Uh, he's Sheffield and Doc Gooden's nephew. He's some, no Sheffield has some relation to Doc Gooden. It's, it's completely oh, you're right. eluding he me does. right now. He does. It's his Godfather, it's I think. Godfather, it's, exactly. Is that right. it? It's Godfather. Okay. But Yankees have Judge, and now they have Justice. So I think I think that's probably why Cashman went out and traded for him. It's perfect. <laughs> but he's a 20 year old lefty, and he's undersized though. He's what? What did you say? He's five ten. He's a 5'10 guy. Apparently his arm is, uh, he's, he's, he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's got good 
mechanics. Kid is a uh, he's got a little bit of a deception in his delivery from what I've seen. His strikeout to uh, to inning ratio is about even. And, uh, you know, he is a guy he's only in high A right now, I believe, though. So this is a guy that's a little bit a little bit further away. But as we've seen, pitchers can can really jump the, the ranks a lot quicker, especially uh, if he if he really shows well as a starting pitcher. I mean, they can only, you know, you only have to show so much as a starting pitcher, in my opinion, uh, for, for X amount of time. We saw how Severino really flew up as well. So this is a guy that, that could potentially move up. And he's only 20 years old. Only that's, 20 years that's old. Huge. And he is ranked in the top 100 on MLB.com for their prospects. He's number 95. So despite the fact that his numbers might not, not look that sexy and he's only in A ball, he is still in the top 100 prospects, which is very encouraging. Um, some things that aren't encouraging that I found out when I did a little bit of reading on him is that he was arrested while he was in college for underage drinking and aggravated burglary. I'm tempted to just give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's being a dumb college kid. I mean, he's still underage if he's drinking. So yeah, I know when I was like the, at 17, 18, 19 years old, oh, I was a, I was an idiot. And the fact that the aggravated bu- burglary sounds a lot worse. It's, it has something to do with like going into someone's room and like had right. a, there was a girl thing involved. Like, well, that's you know, it, good. no, I mean like you, like a guy dating a girl he used to date type thing. Like it was just a, it was a bunch of dudes getting angry and then one guy pressed charges. That's what happened. Or the cops came, and I don't know. It, it's a complete non-issue, in my opinion, you're looking at it. Well, yeah, I'm, it's certainly not the headliner of when we're talking about Justice Sheffield. And definitely, uh, I like the fact that he's a lefty. Um, I, I always think lefties can fly through the system quicker, whether it's justified or not. I mean, they also s- stick around the major leagues for far too long in, in some points, like Chris Capuano and others, but... And this is the type of guy where all the scouts are saying that he projects to like a middle of the rotation type guy. He's not a not a potential number one two, but there I've heard many times people sliding him in as a as a three with a higher ceiling. So there's there's that. I mean, we need you need solid rotation help. Obviously, young rotation help. Uh, if we have a you know a, a good number three, a kid who can go out there and, and do well for for years and years is a good thing. But again, he's 20 years old. Remember that. Uh, the next piece of the trade that the Yankees got is Ben Heller, and he is 24 years old, and his stats are com- extremely impressive in AAA this year. He's 3-2 and two with a 173 ERA and 12 saves. He's got good strikeout numbers. So he's a candidate to come up at some point, I would say, in the next month and be in the Yankees bullpen at the Major League level. He's certainly earned it at the AAA level. And he's 24 years old, so he's got a little bit more seasoning. I believe he went to college, right? So that's why he's a little bit older. But he is seeming to be ready for the Major Leagues. And this is a kid who's also, he was AA, moved up to AAA. A guy, he's flown through the, the minor league system with Cleveland and has a you know upper 90s, can, can touch triple digits when, when he wants as well. Uh, so this is a guy who, who's who's you know very 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 close to being to being ready to at least come into a uh, a bullpen get on the Scranton shuttle. Uh, this is definitely a guy I, I have a feeling we'll see sooner than later. He probably will be the first one up uh, that we'll see in the Bronx and and could potentially help at the you know the back middle to back end of the uh, the bullpen as well. So I think Cashman when he's looking at all these deals he's also trying to to fix the now because I think that's that's the you know one of his one of the things that he always says is that yes we're trying to get as much as we can we have assets but we're also trying to position ourselves to win now. You know you always hear him say that always. So I have a feeling that's kind of like the side note for when Cashman's talking about this guy that he has the potential to come up very soon and help us now. 
Right. It's not. And if it's not this year, immediately now, it's next year, which is close enough to being now, in my opinion, when you're trading for young players. And the last guy to the to the trade is J.P. Ferrezian. Ferrezian. Not quite sure how to pronounce his name yet. Maybe once he gets up to the major leagues, I'll learn it. But he's a 23-year-old righty pitcher. He's in double-A this year. 223 ERA with five saves. So he's another reliever. Again, preparing for the future, you know, bringing in a lot of bullpen arms. Guys that we might see over the next couple seasons. And... It seems like the Yankees were blown away by this offer because they were saying we're not trading Miller unless we're blown away. We don't have to trade Miller. He is locked up for two more seasons. We're more than happy hanging on to him and competing next year with him. But it seems like in order in Cashman's mind, this was a blow away offer from the Cleveland Indians. I think they were enamored by Clint Frazier. I think he's the he's obviously the the big chip in this trade but I do believe that they've been enamored by him for for quite some time that's the guy they really wanted the fact that they were able to get Justice Sheffield as well is is you know another top 100 guy who's only 20 years old is uh, I think is a big get and then uh, again where I'm reading these things I, I don't know a lot about these kids but I'm reading as much as I can today and Ben Heller apparently is, is has the guy to kind of tip this over who I think ha- is kind of the wild card in this in this group who can really contribute and contribute on a high level I mean he's been dominant in, in double and triple A this year. So this kid has the the potential effectiveness um, to, to really stick in the major leagues. You know, that's a, it's kind of a similar story to what they saw with Chad Green. Chad Green, was obviously, he's a starter, but he's been coming up and, and we're seeing him in the bullpen now as well. And he's got that high 90s potential when he's when he's coming in for uh, in relief duties. Uh, but that's the type of guy, you know, he was dominating triple A, got to bring him up. They don't always succeed the first time. Uh, most times they don't, in, in fact. And so you get to stick with these kids and, and to see what they can do. And, and Chad Green, I think, has shown some some uh, some definite high high sides in the bullpen. And I think that they're looking for Heller to do very similar things. Well, that's the beauty of the position the Yankees are in now. They're not going for the playoffs at this point. So they can let Chad Green go through some growing pains in the second half if they want to see what he has. And pitchers like Chad Green. The Yankees' farm system after these couple trades is looking pretty good. If you go to any of the prospect rankings, you're going to see a lot of Yankee names in the top 100. We're using MLB.com's, and they list seven Yankees in the top 100. Frazier, who they just got, so he's a new guy, is 24. Torres is 26, also a new guy. Mateo's 27. Aaron Judge is 32. Gary Sanchez is 39. Blake Rutherford, who has been lighting up the minor leagues for the Yankees, who they just drafted, is number 64. And Justice Sheffield is number 95. So they would not be all, they wouldn't have this number of prospects without these last two trades. It's great. It's great that they got three of these guys for relief pitches. Relief pitchers. They traded away relief pitchers and got very good prospects. Got to give them credit on that. And a couple of guys who were in this on this list re- recently that that have fallen off, I think, because of injury. But you know, once once they're back and throwing again, could very well jump back on this list. Is uh, obviously the, the the draft pick from last year, James Caprillion, and and our long lost friend, um, uh, Jacob Lindgren, is another guy who was on this list that has fallen off, has not really gotten the tenure in the major leagues to take him take himself off of this list as far as a prospect, but just has really been battling injury. They are expecting him back. I, I was reading a little bit more about him. They're expecting him back uh, this this year. So um, hopefully those two guys can can rebound off of their injuries and and get back to form because that's that's another couple pitchers that, you know, 
you know, if you think about what we thought about lingering going into the season, I mean, this dude was going to be a major contributor, was a major prospect. And then obviously Kropillion started, was lighting up the minor leagues before he started, uh, before he felt that a little tenderness in the elbow. So hopefully it's a non-factor and it's just a little R&R can fix both of those dudes and then they're back on this list. And that's, that's ridiculous. Then. And then we're, you just add it. If you don't add them, we have seven in the top hundred. You add them, that's nine. That's crazy. That's, that's a very good job. And if you think about what it was a couple of years ago, phenomenal job. Empty. It was tumbleweeds blowing through fields in the Yankees minor league system. And now they're, they've got a lot of good young guys. That doesn't include Greg Bird, who I know is no longer a prospect, but he's 23 years old. And Severino, who I know, again, is not a prospect because he spent too much time in the major leagues, but he's 22. So and Ref Schneider, Ref Schneider had to have been close on that list at some point. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of young guys who are 25 and under who should all impact this team in 2017, and it's exactly what I wanted. So I, I'm happy. It's it's rare. I'm not usually happy, so I don't know what to bash them on right now. So it's, it's tough for me. Uh, one trade you can kind of question is the fact that they did acquire Tyler Clippard from the Diamondbacks for Vincente Campos, who, if you remember. We discussed with Pinstripe Prospects about a month ago. Campos was having a much better season after he came back from, I believe he had Tommy John surgery. He was throwing in the mid-90s, um, but it seems like the Yankees sold, I guess, high on him? I'm not sure. So, well, yeah, a.k.a. Jose Campos, who was the second piece in the Michael Pineda deal. This kid had a lot of prospects. He was a lot lower in, in, uh, in the minor league system when they got him. He went under the knife. Came back, was not himself. Last year, I believe he was, I believe he was healthy, but was not effective. And then this year, they started kind of seeing the, the pre-injury Campos, uh, the new and improved Vincente Campos. Uh, he, he was Jose at the when time. When in doubt, change your name. Like Farfro yeah. Carmona. Exactly. It works. You change your identity. You, you don't even remember that other guy. And he's been pitching well. And he, they've actually, he got bumped up a couple times recently. So I don't know if that was just to say, to, to show other teams that, you know, this kid was going and they're trying to, yeah, get rid of him on high. Uh, another thing I read on him was that his strikeout per nine was very low. And they were, they were worried about that. The fact that he was, if he was able to get, you know, plus bats out as he continued to rise through the ranks. So look, we, you know, what we saw when, when Andrew and I were actually talking about this before we started recording was probably Campos was going to move into the pen at some point, most likely. And if that's the case, you get a guy like Tyler Clippard, who is an established major leaguer, who is controlled for another year. Where's Campos' ceiling? It's probably very close to a guy like Tyler Clippard. And Tyler Clippard actually has done pretty well for his, his career so far. I mean, he's been in the All-Star game a few times. Um, he's, he's played some, some significant roles uh, with, with a couple teams. He was, at the, he was on the Mets last yep. year? No, two years or last year? Last year. He was, yeah, he was a he was Did a not pitch that great there. with the Mets. And he's not having a great year this year, but... He is more of a known commodity than if you were to call up Campos and stick him in the pen over the next year. So yeah. he's gonna Tyler Clippard's gonna be in the bullpen for the Yankees in the second half as a seventh, maybe eighth inning guy if he pitches well, and that's what he'll be next year. It's it's a questionable move on the surface when you see them trading away Andrew Miller for a bunch of young players and then trading away a young player for a thirty one year old Tyler Clippard. But when you really think about it, they're going to need some veteran arms in the pen next year. So if you bring in Tyler Clippard, that's that's fine. It's it's not that big of a deal in my mind. And it's another one of those moves that Cashman's still making the, or keeping the team competitive by bringing in a veteran guy who can pitch late in the game. Clippard was on their radar last year. So he's been on the yeah. He's one of those guys that that we've definitely talked about as far as a trade piece to help in the the six, seven, eight, you know. Uh, innings. This is a guy that has the experience to do it, and 
and he's been effective. I mean, he, I I want to say that the long ball is an issue for him, which doesn't excite me, but he's a guy who has the you know the experience and he's pitched in big games and he knows how to do it. So we'll we'll see. He is a guy who I think was getting out lefties right because of that changeup. And they just lost two lefties out of the bullpen, so that might be a nice little added bonus bringing him in. And Jason Shreve is completely off the team at this point. I mean, he's in the minor leagues at this point. He's been horrible. He had the injury, and then he was horrible after he came back from the injury. So they lost three three lefties out of the bullpen that they started with this season. So they need some guys to get left-handers out. More trade rumors. So we are, when you're listening to this, a few hours away from the trade deadline on Monday afternoon. Some more trade rumors that I saw floating around is that the Yankees are shopping Brian McCann. And one of the teams that was rumored to be getting him is the Braves. Obviously, he signed with the Yankees from the Braves. Why the Braves would be going after a veteran catcher is beyond me, considering they traded away their entire team to get younger at the beginning of the season. They're probably the worst team in baseball. So why they would want a 32-year-old Brian McCann that makes $17 million a year is pretty bizarre. But hey, I guess that's what they, they want to bring in some veteran leadership for the fact that they're moving into a new stadium, I think, next year. I, I, that has to be it. I mean, the fact that they traded for Kemp, too, which is... I just don't understand what they're doing. Right. I don't understand what they're doing. Where's the plan? It seems like their blueprint was to get younger, and they traded away Shelby Miller, who wasn't even that old, but they traded him away so they could get younger. And then they would go around and trade for a completely broken Matt Kemp and a aging Brian McCann. But Brian McCann would have to waive his no-trade clause, and the Yankees would have to eat some money, especially if he's going to the Braves. So I don't really think it's realistic. I, I don't really want it to happen if it's just a, say, $10 million salary dump for the Yankees because I would imagine they would eat $7 million about of the $17 million. I would rather pay him full 17 and have him on the team than pay him 7 and not have him on the team. Yeah, it's a strange deal. I mean, we've talked about McCann, too, and the fact that how he can help next year, uh, the, the transition, unless they have other plans... The, the fact that Bird's obviously coming back from, from injury and, you know, he'll be in all, as far as we know and as far as we're considered, that, that Greg Bird's going to be our first baseman next year. Um, that's a guy that can play first base in McCann and catch to also take some innings away from, from Sanchez to rest him and, and then also play DH. So he's got flexibility in, in the positions. He's uh, obviously his, his power plays very well at Yankee Stadium. So he's a guy that I would still like on this team in all honesty. I think he's a guy that can really contribute still next year. Yeah, and he's going. You got Austin Romine, who's been a great backup catcher. I'm not quite sure he can be a full time catcher. At least I haven't seen enough out of him to give him the starting catching job at any point for the Yankees. But you got to figure between Gary Sanchez, Austin Romine, and Brian McCann, that's a pretty good catching core for next year. And McCann's versatility, as you just said, is is really why I think he could be a very valuable piece for the Yankees. His offense has declined. If you look at his power numbers between the Yankees and the Braves, they were much better with the Braves, but that's not really that surprising considering he's a catcher going into his 30s. More trade stuff is the fact that Carlos Beltran is still on the Yankees. At least he is as of Sunday night. He's got to be traded, though. His contract is coming off the books. He has no value to the Yankees after this year. You have got to trade him. He's been their most consistent offensive player all year. He's batting over 300 at this point. He could help out a number of different teams. Buster only tweeted Sunday night that there are a number of teams asking about Carlos Beltran, and he listed the Astros, 
the Red Sox, the Rangers, and the Indians. I really don't see them ever trading within the division to the Red Sox, so you can probably throw that one out. It makes too much sense that the Rangers would want him because they had Prince Fielder go down, so you just plug Carlos Beltran into the DH, and you got a better Prince Fielder at that point. So I, I, I got to think the Yankees make a deal over the next few hours for Carlos Beltran. That would be a disappointment if Brian Cashman does not get that done. Yeah, I mean, I could, I definitely see it happening. I could also see it, it depends on what they're going to get back. If they're not going to get back anything that's relatively significant that can help them, or at least Cashman in Cashman's eyes, I could see them rolling Beltron out for the rest of the season and, and as a move to stay competitive. And this is just complete <laughs> ownership speak. And I, I just, I'm, I'm playing the role of them. Stay and I could see them saying it. Yeah, stay competitive. Because but they, still they low, just yeah. traded away Andrew Miller, who, and Araldis Chapman. That was the best part of their team. So again, see, okay, so this is a, a debate we started having beforehand that we're gonna we're gonna start, start again right now. The fact that these guys have given away, I was listening to, I was coming back from a camping trip, and I was listening to MLB or Mad Dog Radio. I don't know, it was on Sirius XM, and there, I forgot. Was he talking like this the whole time? No, no, it wasn't Chris Russo, but it was another dude that was talking about. The, he was. He kept calling the Yankees the stanky, so he obviously doesn't like the Yankees. If you know who he is, let me know because I really didn't like the guy. And the, the, he kept he, before he started getting on what the Yankees were. He kept saying this. He says, "I don't understand the fascination of a three-headed bullpen. I don't really understand why you need it. All you need is one guy. That's all you need." And then in the same breath, he's talking about how the Yankees have just completely given up. He can't believe that they're this. They're, they're what a what a bunch of pansies. Blah blah blah. Because they gave up two of their relief pitchers. What a bunch of yet pansies. they still have Batantis, who's one of the best relief pitchers in the bigs. And so out of out of both sides of his mouth, this guy was just making no sense. The fact of the matter is is that I don't think like obviously we know that these guys were effective in their role, but they were not playing to what this team does. And this team, like you've mentioned a hundred times, is a 500 team. You don't need a three-headed monster in the back of a bullpen for a 500 team. If there is a wild card position that is up for grabs, that is going to be, you know, four to five games over 500, which is very possible, this is still a team that can could, if they caught fire, could get to that point at some point, you're, potentially. You're being so delusional. No, listen, I'm not being delusional. I'm not, I don't think they'll do it. I'm not saying that. But the my Yankees' point is, record when the big three pitched in games was something crazy like 27-4. and four. If, if they had even one less of those guys, but now two fewer of those guys, all you have is Batances, there's no way they're going 500 when they have to get eight innings of pitching and then to get to Batances. They struggled enough to go six innings. There's no way this team is going to still be competitive. If you want to call them competitive is what they are. So that's a reason well, the, why the, the, we just got beat by the Tampa Bay Rays. Is I mean I understand, but the fact that we got swept by the Tampa Bay Rays uh, and and Miller was in that game in, in two of those games didn't didn't make any difference. My point is is the fact that the 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 back end of the bullpen. While you said their record, I understand it. They were they were dominant. There are guys that they could throw in there now that they've to, to get the job done effectively. There are guys that can still do this. Maybe Chad Greer could step in and be, uh, you know, and, and actually be give us some consistent innings. Maybe maybe Severino bottles that up and gives us a, a good seventh, eighth inning. Who knows? My point is, is that it doesn't demolish the team because there everything else is still there. Everything else is not very good, and that's what we're looking at. So I could see them saying that Carlos Beltran is the one linchpin that maybe holds this thing together and keeping him. Here's the only thing I would... I don't to, but I could see them doing it. The only way I would agree with them not trading him is if Brian Cashman gets trade offers for, for Carlos Beltran and assesses the fact that they're not as good as what he could get with the consemp- uh, con- what's it called? consempatory draft pick 
when he walks in free agency? What's the word? Yeah. Uh, yes. Compensation draft pick. I can't. I'm too stupid to know the actual word. It's fine. Anyway, he gets a, co- a compensation draft pick. So if he thinks I can pick a better player at 35 in the draft than what I'll be getting from a team, then fine. But the catch with that is you have to offer Carlos Beltran a qualifying offer. Right. What if he accepts that? So there have only been two qualifying offers that have ever been accepted in the major leagues, and they were both this year. And Carlos Beltran, I could see him accepting that because he's at the end of his career. If he just wants to say, I would like to DH for the Yankees and then retire, I could see him totally doing that and accepting the $15 million or whatever it is qualifying offer. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because that would guarantee that they'd have to cut A-Rod, and that's fine. So honestly, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, I just don't know. I don't trust Carlos Beltran to have another year like he's having this year. Yeah, and fifteen million dollars or whatever that qualifying offer is. I mean, you could at that point you could be like, you, you know, you you ride it for whatever it is, and you cut bait when when you cut bait. It's not that big of a deal for them at that point. So, are we getting younger or are we not getting younger? I mean, that doesn't mean that does. That's come on. That is not. There's there's no way you can say that if they if they were to bring Carlos Beltran back on a one year offer, the fact that the Yankees are not getting younger. I mean, that's just a ludicrous statement considering the rest of the guys on the team. I just think that then you're locking. But they have to cut A-Rod if that's the case. If that ever, we're, we're getting oh, way I off mean, topic with obviously. this. But I, th- that, I just think they can't have both of those guys. If you're going to keep Carlos Beltran for next year as the DH, you have to be absolutely uh, sure you're okay with locking him in as the DH every day because you're not going to be able to rotate Brian McCann in there or any of those other guys. You're pretty much stuck with Brian, with uh, Carlos Beltran as your DH. I mean... Or you sit him and put someone else in there. The, the whole point is is that if, if you were to come back for an arbitration or a uh, qualifying offer, it's not going to be a crazy offer. It's not going to be something that the Yankees can't really sit with um, if that were the case. And it would be something probably lower than he would be able to get, I would think, from like a National League or from a, another American League I don't team. Know, on a one-year deal, it'll be pretty high. I don't know what it would probably be 15 to 16 million. Yeah. All right. I mean, I mean, I guess a guy like that, would warrant that it would be close, I think, if you were to go on the open market. But at the same time, new point. It doesn't matter. I hope they trade him. I, I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I'm looking at this. Uh, this how how Cashman sometimes deals and says that the fact that they brought that Clippard immediately after uh, the the Andrew Miller trade said to me, "Hey, we're still trying to compete." That's what it said to me. I just I, don't, I don't know how you can see that now as that not a possibility well, because I can see that it, you know the. Trade on the table was Campos for Tyler Clippard, and Brian Cashman is saying, I'm going to sell high on Campos, and I got Tyler Clippard for next year. That is not a 2016 move. That's a 2017 move. It absolutely is. It's a a year and a half move. There's no doubt of it is. He's he's getting a guy who has experience in that exact same spot of a guy that they're just giving up. To me, that is, I know he's not the guy. I know he's not comparable talent-wise, but I'm still going to try to compete with a guy who's, who's been there before. It's it's a classic Brian Cashman, I'm going to compete now move. So if a team was offering you, say, the 85th prospect in baseball for Carlos Beltran, are you taking it? Yeah. Do you think a team would be offering that high, or are they pretty much offering scraps at this point? I don't know. I don't know what they're—I mean, I think Texas would be—I mean, have we? didn't we just gut Cleveland? So I mean, what are we going to get from them? Um, Texas is—we're not going to get anybody we, we want. That, that I got, I I got a genius out. plan. Let's trade Carlos Beltran to the Indians for Andrew Miller. Oh, that's that's good. And then we'll control Andrew Miller for two years. That's a win now move. <laughs> it's a so, win now move. <laughs> so the uh the the fact that 
What are, I mean, there could be who the hell knows? They might have offers for two guys. I mean, a, a Beltron and a McCann could help a team out very much. It's There's a lot of things. Could, it's, it's been quiet on the Beltron front. It, the, yeah. the all the rumors have been Chapman, and then they moved on to Miller. Beltron they could has been very some quiet. Guys. They could package now some of their minor leaguers that they've just uh, accumulated. There's a lot of things that could still happen. To, uh, to 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 surprise us all. That Maybe Brian- a Beltron plus Ivan Nova swap or a Beltron plus McCann, as you said, or or maybe Gardner. Is Gardner going to be moved? Because Possibly. We got a lot of outfield kids. A lot of a lot outfield, outfield kids, kids and Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury is immovable. Right. Uh, at least Gardner's contract is semi-reasonable. Yeah. If, if it's not now, he's going to get moved in the offseason. Probably get more for him now. You always get more in Yeah, I'd say for a guy like that, no doubt. Yeah, you always get more mid-season than you do in the winter. Regardless, it should be an exciting few hours leading up to the trade deadline. I, I really want them to trade Beltron. Don't no half measures. Do not do not half not that this is a half sell, but I don't want to see Cashman take half measures or have any delusions that they can still compete in 2016. Let's go full tank mode for this year, baby. My, my my point. Well, another another other point that I have to make is: Don't you have some trust in Brian Cashman right now, though? Don't you believe that he's doing the best for the organization towards the future? I mean, you have to have that thought process if you're seeing what's already happened. So, if they were not to trade him, wouldn't you just then believe that he didn't get the value that he needed to in order to get rid of him at that point? Yes, I would because I, would, I trust I him. That. I, I've I think Brian Cashman's done a a very good job over the last few years. There's. The only complaints I have with Brian Cashman is the questionable free agent signings. Right. But also, we've talked about that, and I've definitely weighed in the fact that I don't think that was all him. I think he was getting a lot of pressure to go out and spend some money it seems on guys. Like that it, he- it, it seems like that's a very strong possibility, and it sucks because ownership then is doing this team and this fan base a complete disservice because Cashman has a plan. You can see it. And it's a plan that is is working but then it gets keeps getting set back by these these bad contracts like the bad contract to Jacoby Ellsbury or uh re-signing CC or giving Mark Teixeira 7 years although that did work out for the first couple so the big contracts always come back to bite you I just really don't get the the 2014 signings but I never will um all right what do we got on some of these minor league players so we definitely have some updates with the guys that we know already. Um, Greg Bird, Brian Mitchell, and and uh, and Aaron Judge are are definitely three guys that obviously we know have been hurt. Bird with the shoulder, uh, Brian Mitchell. I think he he had a broken toe. So there's there's some updates on these turf guys. Toe. It was turf toe. I mean, dreaded it just, turf toe. It's tough. That's that's really that sounds horrible for a pitcher though. Uh, so Brian Mitchell's a guy who already came. Through a handful of innings, rain-shortened simulation game says the foot feels great, and he's the next step for him is actually a rehab assignment that could come as early as next week. This is uh, coming from an article by uh, our editor and, and columnist Rich Kaufman on Bronx Pinstripes. This is big news because let's let's we all knew that Brian Mitchell uh, was out. We all thought he was out for the entire year. This is another guy who, if he starts rehabbing next week. And starts coming in and, and starts proving that he can get back into baseball shape in the next three four weeks. There's another guy that could come back, so I guarantee Cashman was thinking about that as a potential. Um, Bird, who had the shoulder surgery, is uh, probably about two two and a half months away, but he's ready to take some swings next week, so that's good. He's back in and is uh, is most likely going to be playing in the Arizona Arizona Fall League to get ready for spring training. And then Aaron Judge, the, the final update is ready to. Uh, be taken off of the minor league injured 
uh, the the um, disabled list in four to five days. So he's getting ready for for baseball again, which is also big because that directly affects the right field position that Carlos Beltran currently has. So there's a lot of things I think contingent on what's going to happen. Um, the fact that that Judge looks like he's coming back. He injured his knee on a uh, a play I think against the wall. Uh, he banged it up, uh, pulled something, and, and had a bone bruise on his knee. So all these guys are, are back on the mend, which is very, very positive for our youth movement. And these are guys that are all ready to contribute now. The Mitchell thing is interesting. I felt really bad for him. We both did. Me too. Because he made the team. He deserved yeah. it. He was going to be our sixth inning possible mixing in with uh, the big three. So he that, was Adam Warren. He was, a, he was the Adam Warren role, exactly. And it sucks because he went down for most of the season. He was a starting pitcher, though, before this year. So would you like to see them see if they can stretch him back out to be a starting pitcher and see if that would work? I, I also I'm going to relate this to Luis Severino, who I saw, um, I believe it was John Heyman or one of the other uh, baseball writers tweet that the Yankees are going to be using Severino out of the bullpen for the remainder of the year. I'm thinking we just traded all of these guys away we don't think we can compete which i know you might disagree with but i would like to see them concentrate on making severino a good starter i i want no part of him in the bullpen the rest of this year um, he's going to be in the bullpen that's what they're doing i mean stupid. there's let's see he's a starting pitcher i'd like to see him be a starting pitcher this is another reason why i think that he's more effective they're they're saying that he's more effective right now for for a bullpen spot i mean look if someone goes down or someone becomes very ineffective you could you could absolutely see he's stretched out chad green is stretched out and another guy that they just got uh i forget who it was is also stretched out but uh, you know another win now you're also adam warren to that bullpen a guy that they uh, that girardi knows and well i'm telling you cashman is still trying to win right now i'm telling you he is he thinks that they are still going to be able to compete for this last wild card i am telling you that is happening, and don't be uh, don't be completely shocked if we flip some guys around tomorrow for a guy that could help us win now this year. I would not put it past them. The fact that they've built up their both their their minor league system so much, I could see something like that going down. So, what's the new bullpen nickname? We got Adam Warren in there. Maybe. Oh, I had one. I had one. I got it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, what was it? oh? So Tyler Clippard. I didn't do three. I I can't do three anymore. Three is ridiculous in the first place. Tyler Clippard's going to be the eighth inning guy, right? Do we agree with that? I think he's going to be the eighth inning guy. Probably. So it's T. Clip and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> T. Clip and the Beast is beautiful. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. Mine was not going to get any save opportunities, Batances. No. See, man, <laughs> you, you are the same guy that was agreeing with me last week, the week before, the week before that, saying that if this were possible, if we were to sell, we could potentially see this team actually play better because they have a little bit of a shot in the arm. I think they, they'll play better similar to the way the Red Sox played better at the last half of the uh, uh, second half of last year. The offense looks better. You can see some movement towards next year and get excited. I don't. But, think the, but this... the Red Sox were buried at that point. They had such a giant hill to climb. The Yankees don't have that big of a hill to climb. They're still relatively... I cannot believe you're sitting here saying that you still think the Yankees can compete this year. I'm, I'm telling you that they're... That I said two weeks ago that I could see younger guys going in and saying and seeing they would be... Play, they, I could I would not put it past them if they started playing better offensively, which is the big key. Well, then they need to get... They need to cut A-Rod, cut Teixeira, and and uh, then that might happen because those two I, guys I are think, anchors on this I think Teixeira is going to go right away now. one way or another. I These, think Teixeira... A-Rod and Teixeira are complete anchors on this team right now. And they're not even using them how I think they should be using them. A-Rod sat for a week. 
they faced two left-handed pitchers in a row, and he didn't play. He didn't face Keuchel, and then he didn't face uh, who else was it that he didn't face? Who was a lefty? I can't even remember. But then he goes in. He sits for a week, and then they stick him in for one day, and he strikes out four times. No shit. He hasn't played in a week. What did you expect to happen? So if you're not going to use him, cut him. He's a DH. If you're not going to play him, just cut him and, and just forget about this. They need to. They need to cut him. I, I think they absolutely should. And they to share, they're not going to cut. We know that because he's got one year. This is his final year. Of so they can the cut point? him. What are you? You're at that. They're point, not you're going to like though. six million bucks. A Rod, they, sh- they absolutely it just needs to go away. He just he's just been he's terrible. He just needs to go. He, he probably needs a nice rest for the playoffs so he can announce. Fine. He was uh, he was an all star announcer. He was terrific. They actually people liked him. All all I know is that it, unless this lineup, that was those, lineup changes, they're not going to get any better offensively. It's this like you said. It's the same lineup. It's the same crappy lineup we've seen all year. There's going to be kids coming up. This is going to happen, and I could see them playing better. <clears throat> all right, let's move on. We've got a couple mailbags we want to read, but let's first touch on a couple things that happened in this last week, a couple things that annoyed me. The first was the fact that they were going for the sweep on Wednesday in Houston against a great Houston team, as we already said, with Tanaka on the mound. you got to think the Yankees are feel, feeling confident going into that game. If they sweep Houston, they're in a good position to maybe even buy at the trade deadline. And what happens? He goes out and lays an egg, four earned runs in five innings. I, I don't even think I can call Tanaka almost an ace anymore. He's just a middle-of-the-rotation pitcher. He's an ace on, on six days rest, or full five. Yeah, fine. So let, let's get let's then find a sixth starter. That should be then Brian Cashman's number one job, is to find a sixth starter in the offseason so our number one starter can be good. Well, there you go. Adam Warren, done. Can we just give him a fake calendar? <laughs> make, him, make, him think that, yeah. make him think that he's pitching on every six days? Yeah. Yeah, we, we he doesn't speak. They need to, he doesn't speak English, so they need to he's get not going to know. Short-term memory somehow. Yeah, yeah, like in that movie with uh, with Adam Sandler, where the girl wakes up every day and thinks it's the same day. Fifty first dates. Yeah, so we just we do that on the on the sixth day. <laughs> it's embarrassing how many times I've seen that movie. Yeah, so we if we do that on the sixth day, he'll every day he'll think is the sixth day, which is perfect. But don't do you not agree that it's uh, it was a complete letdown by our quote best pitcher? Yes, and. I agree with you. And, and look, I've agreed with you in the fact that I don't see him as the, the prototypical ace. If you look at the numbers, in, in, in fact, the numbers kind of support the fact that he's one of the better pitchers in the major leagues, especially on the road. And that was a, a, a road start that was in a very crucial time of where the Yankees were at that point with the trade deadline looming, with the, the win streak, the fact that they were about to sweep Houston, who was one of the hottest teams in baseball. It was a big move. It was a big confidence booster. And he came out and, and did not pitch well. He pitched... He pitched ineffectively, what four earned runs I think in five innings. It yeah. wasn't. It was a. It was a start that that you would expect from, uh, you know, Avaldi or Pineda or a, it sounds like a very Nova start, but it's not a not a not a Tanaka start. You know, at the same time the offense did nothing that day too. But they were going up against um, what was the name McCullers. McCullers, who was a, he looked great. He looked great, but they beat Keuchel, who they never beat. Unbelievable. And then they beat Mc, they beat Keuchel two to one. Okay, they beat him, though. You're right, but it was because Pineda actually pitched well. Thank God. It was his best outing of the but year. But they have not beat him, ever. My point is that the offense was still abysmal. I agree, the same but day. they won the game when they were going up against Dallas Keuchel, which none of us expected. And right. then they beat McCuff, who is their second best pitcher. 
And then they go up against uh, McCullers, McCullers, who's not a good pitcher, or at least he hasn't. No, been. he's a good young kid. He's 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 got some. But what I'm saying is, Tanaka against McCullers is a, a slanted in the Yankees fashion, and they got beat. Yeah, the kid had like ten strikeouts, I think, through six innings or five yeah, innings. And he threw like I think I looked up, and at one point, Tanaka had like 52 pitches through three innings, and and uh, McCullers had like 33. Yeah, Tanaka looked really bad. So. It, it it sucks, but um, we mentioned uh, some. You know, the the offense is still not good. We had some stats since the All Star break. They're hitting two twenty seven, with only twelve home runs and forty two runs driven in in fifteen games, which is horrendous. So they were winning in despite of their offense because their pitching staff has a two seventy three ERA since the uh, second half has started. So I, I I don't see the pitching quite being that good, and I see the offense continuing to be that bad. So I don't see how they're gonna get any better uh, more they're a 500 team and, and that's all there is to it all right you ready to get into some mailbags the first mailbag we have is from at jive john on twitter he says hey guys quick hypothetical what if god forbid all the prospects the yankees have acquired in the last week turns out to be duds i love the trades of miller and chapman as painful as painful as they are but what if the return never pans out it's a great fearful question because that's always a issue when you're trading for prospects is they're not going to pan out and i believe david Cohn was talking on the broadcast over the weekend that he was traded for a handful of prospects three or four different times in his career and only one of them ever made it to the major leagues so when you're trading for prospects there's always the risk that they don't pan out it seems like these guys are more of the can't miss variety especially torres and uh frazier but knock on wood, knock on wood, knock, knock on wood. Everybody who's listening needs to be knocking on wood right now. But it's definitely a fear. Yeah, and here I think one of the one of the big reasons people are very suspect, and this is this is going to go into another mailbag that we have. Um, I'm going to read it actually right now. I'm going to skip ahead because it's it's going to go into my point. This is from Julio. He says, "I really like to take a Scott approach to the late moves that Cashman has done, but I can't trust someone who gave us Hicks, Ackley, Headley, uh, Stephen Drew, among others. I know we should be we should build for the future, but didn't Cashman let Nunez, Melky, Robertson, Cano walk away? We have no major league ready guys, uh, just prospects and Clippers so far. I hope these uh, I hope these I hope I'm just wrong and the Yankees have good years, but I'm not expecting it. So this is what's leading me into believing this." The fact that Julio and I think and and uh, and Jab John are both on the same. I think they both have the the same outlook in the sense that they they don't trust the scouting, right? They don't trust the fact that these guys get to get developed and and actually that's uh, legit, know, right? But here's my here's my uh, here's my point against that. The Yankees didn't draft these guys. <laughs> the Yankees didn't develop these guys. The Yankees only traded for them after other teams who have been proven to develop young talent, traded them, got them ready, and now they're on the cusp. So don't fear fear not. This is not a, a, a screw up by the Yankees picking guys out of a draft or out of uh, you know out of uh, you know a, a, a Venezuelan or Dominican league. No, 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 that's not what's happening right now. These guys are ranked by the all the all, you know Baseball America, MLB.com. They're all on the top prospect list. They've been vetted by scouts from other teams. They've been you know they, this guy was a I think uh, uh, Frazier was a number five draft pick in 2014 or 13. So he's been around for a while. A lot of people have seen him, 
everybody has the same opinion. So these are not the Yankees screwing this up. What they're doing is they're looking at people, everybody else and what they've done, and they're plucking from their systems. So I feel so much better about that, and I feel good about that in the sense that we know that they can succeed in, in the levels that they've been because they've done it already. And there's a lot of other people who have very big prospects in the guys. Is it a fear that these guys will, will just completely bomb? I mean, I guess you could always think about that. I think the, the bigger fear is that they're, they're not – they come in and they're just they're just okay, and then this team is another 500 team, and they don't you know they don't they don't adapt well to the major leagues. I think that's the bigger fear because I think these are guys that are potential that have the potential and the the skill level to definitely make it through the the minor league ranks at this point. So I think that would be the bigger fear. But at the same time, these guys are very highly touted guys, and like you said, can't miss. I mean, knock on wood, I'm doing it right now because they're very close to that. But these guys are. Are, uh, are are further along than than we've seen anybody in the past. And to your point about Nunez, how is Nunez in that list? Nunez cannot be in that list. He had every <laughs> every opportunity to succeed, and he just didn't do it. So I mean, maybe he just needed to change his scenery. I can't put anything on the Yankees for for that this guy. Is the because, first good year of his career. So yeah, and Melky Melky signed somewhere, got a big deal. I mean, fine. well, they traded him. They traded him, but then he got another big deal. They weren't going to pay him. Was the point? And and then Robertson. I mean. Please, there's no reason why we had we would have kept him. He needed big money. We had guys behind him. It was fine. Well, Cashman traded Melky Cabrera in that second Javier Vasquez trade. Yeah, I mean, uh, Melky's a nice player and all, but I think we have like 16 outfielders in the minor league systems that can beat uh, a Melky Cabrera. They at the point when they traded Melky, they liked Brett Gardner instead of Melky Cabrera, which you can't argue with. It's it's very difficult to argue that. Yeah, but uh, to to both of, all of those points that that was just being made is that if. Torres and Frazier make it to the major leagues and are solid major league players. Not superstars, but just good contributors. Would you call these trade successes? I don't know. There's so many things that go into that and what's around them. And at that point, you know, like when it is, I don't know. I really can't answer that question. But average major league players is their floor, pretty much. At least everything I've read. So... It's. It seems like. Yeah, I think it would be a disappointment. It would definitely be a disappointment. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll speak at it from a fan side of it. Yes, it would be a disappointment to me. It would be a disappointment in the sense that we're, we're building these guys up and we have higher expectations. But I think I there's think, a good chance that they're more than that. That they're. I agree. All star caliber players at least some point in their careers. I agree with that, and I think we build this up. We build all of these things up. The prospects. We get so emotionally invested in the in the in the potential uh, of these guys, and we then we we get bloated expectations, right? So then we have these ginormous expectations of these guys to fill shoes and do all these things. Well, look what happened in the beginning of Didi Gregorius's career. Everybody was killing him in the first half, killing him. Like, why did we give her this? Why is he's no Derek Jeter? Or blah, 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 like all these stupid, stupid comparisons that made zero sense. When all this guy had to do was kind of get his feet under him, get comfortable in a system and just start going back to baseball and stop pressing and things like that. So these guys all very well may have slow starts. Some of them might, some of them not. Who knows? The fact is with baseball, you've got to be patient with some of these guys. The fact that Severino went back down, do I think he's a, a bust? Hell no do I think he's a bust. I think he's going to come back and do very well. I, I truly believe that. So I think these guys, while it's not going to happen fast, and yes, we all have big expectations for these guys, I, I, I do believe that they're going to pan out because I, you know, just looking at, at the type of players that they are, I don't know. I think they, they, they play in today's baseball. I also look at it from the standpoint that Cashman is doing what he thinks is right for the long term and what I agree is the right for the long term success of this team. How long can we keep going with signing free agents and bringing in veteran players only to watch them break down? Eventually, we need to try something different. 
and he's right. trying something different. So it would absolutely suck and be devastating if both of all of these prospects they've acquired turn out to be bad. I don't think that's going to happen. But at least I'll credit him for trying something different and going for it. I, I can't get on him for that. Yeah, and we're, we're all looking at these moves right now and, and seeing what he did. And we're like, you know, round of applause. Good job. You got a haul back for two guys who throw one inning each. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome to see what we could, what, what the potential that we could get back with guys that are, you know, ranked by all organizations very high uh, as far as you, the, the consensus of Major League Baseball prospects. So the fact that he did that and flipped these guys, uh, flipped these two relievers into a uh, into to guys that could be very potential long-term position players for the New York Yankees, and we still have a dominant reliever, we still have a guy that we can lean on for years. I think he did a great job. I agree. And we've uh, also said how Cashman's been able to turn uh, bullpen arms out of nothing, right? Yes. We've seen that. I so, t- I tweeted something that after Mariano Rivera left, they've had. Rafael Soriano, I know he was in in the middle of there, but Mariano got hurt. Then they had Rafael Soriano, David Robertson, Andrew Miller, Araldis Chapman, Dellen Batances, and David Robertson. Think about all those guys. Those are all top-flight relief pitchers. There's teams throughout baseball who are throwing out Jonathan Papelbon as their closer because they can't find relief help. And Brian Cashman has done a pretty damn good job at finding bullpen help. And so. funny enough, they just traded for Mark uh, Maletza, who was a, who was a, a Yankees. Yankee. Former Yankee. Melanson never really did anything. Didn't he get traded in the Ian Kennedy trade? I don't remember where he went. He flipped around for a couple of times and then really found his his groove in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But the Yankees, Brian Cashman has been good at drafting and developing catchers and developing bullpen help. Right. So. All right. I got a tweet from uh, Judah Waxelbaum. He's at jwaxy underscore 16 on Twitter. And he simply asks, is the season officially over? I think that this season has the potential to be even more exciting than it was before they made these trades because we get to watch these young kids. And I am pretty sure you're going to agree with me. Yes, I'm absolutely going to agree with you. I still think we we have time. There's going to be things done. You may be listening to this and there's more things that have happened. And if that's the case, we'll come back on and talk about it. But I, I, I I think the youth movement has definitely been pushed up and, and we're going to see some of these, we're going to see more guy, more potentially effective guys that could, that could contribute now and help now in September call-ups as well. That's another thing. We're going to see some of these guys later in the season. So, yeah, there's there's a, there's definitely potential. Uh, I don't think it's over. I think it's going to be more exciting to watch. And like I've said, I think they could potentially play better. It's a, ch- it's a chance for the Yankees to throw out young players and not really worry about if they're going to be filling stands because – I, I just think they need to take this opportunity to see what they have in their uh, minor league system and uh, the young players on their current roster. They're still going to sell tickets for the Mariano Rivera Day and the 1996 celebration. It's still going to be a great atmosphere. We're still going to be rooting for the Yankees to win. So I, I think that the Yankees went a long way this week in in really getting the, the, the true Yankee fans back on their side. Yeah. No, I think they did. They did a good job. I, I mean, I, I, I am so happy that Brian Cashman, and I don't know if he was going in there fighting and just like, st- you know, fighting for his life to say, hey, let's do this. And if he was, you know, kudos to you, Brian, because you did a hell of a job with this, with these trades. And I don't think you're done. And uh, I, I have full belief. I believe in Cashman 100%. The final tweet we got is from at Mike Griffin LL and he says should the Yankees make an exception and let Clint Frazier cre- keep his long hair he looks like a homeless Ed Sheeran 
I don't want a homeless Ed Sheeran on my team personally. So, and uh, Frazier's not as ugly as Ed Sheeran, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I could care less. No, I don't. I, I want him to cut his hair because that's what we do. So cut your hair. It's kid. a dumb rule, though, right? I mean, I kind of like it. It's a dumb rule. I like it. The fact that you can't have facial hair and and long hair. Yeah, it's just a thing. Just go along with it. It's, it's a just, thing. It's just a dumb thing. Grow a mustache. Grow a red mustache. That would be amazing. It's giving him an opportunity to grow a red mustache, that, which is which is pretty awesome. That that gives us uh, some t-shirt ideas. That would be that would be a phenomenal t-shirt. Frazier did tweet after the announcement that uh, quote time for a haircut. So he's on board with it. Yeah, why wouldn't you be? Going it's to called, the best organization in sports. Pride. Yes, I like it. All right, so you and I are absolutely thrilled that the Yankees are making moves at the trade deadline. This has been this has been the most exciting trade deadline in recent memory. Um, as you just said, if they do trade Beltron or any other players from the roster, I think you and I are going to jump on and do another podcast tomorrow night. Uh, if they don't, um, I'll be a little disappointed if they don't move Beltron, but I cannot say I am overall disappointed considering. The number of pro- not only the number but also the quality of prospects they got for two relief pitchers. So before we get out of here, do you have any last words? Extremely excited! I, I'm really looking forward to see what else is up Cashman's sleeve. And if not, if nothing else is done, to me this is a very, very successful trade deadline. He did he did a very good job with the two biggest assets uh, assets on the team uh, and got a haul in return. So I'm excited and it, and for the first time, I believe that the Yankees' ownership is actually on the same page with a lot of the fans and the two of us in the fact that they realize what this team is. They're building towards the future, and that's a positive thing for all of us. Good stuff. Make sure to follow the show at Yankees Podcast. We've been tweeting out clips from each show. I'm uh, messing around with a few different apps, and I'm getting pretty good at that, that audio software editing. So definitely follow the show at Yankees Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.